All right. Welcome back to Perch. My name is Al, and I have the privilege of being the pastor of Perch.Church. Uh, we are currently in the season of Lent, and so we are starting this new series on Lent until Easter. And um, last week, I had the privilege of going out of town. I took my kids to Las Vegas, and I have the flexibility and privilege to do that now because uh, we have a new church plant resident, uh, Sam, and he um, gave us the word last week, so I'm very grateful for that, that Sam is part of our team and he is our church plant resident and um, you know he's been in ministry just as long as I have so I'm really uh, grateful to have a partner like him on our team. So as um, I took my kids to Las Vegas last week um, it is uh, the first time that I took my kids to Las Vegas solo so I had to think of all these activities that I had to do uh, while we were in Vegas and I pretty much felt like I was uh, a chauffeur. Uh, I was um, really just there in Las Vegas to drive my kids around, to plan trips, to pay for stuff, to like uh, feed them and just take care of them. And it really was just, just a trip for my kids. But, uh, you know, seeing my kids uh, happy and seeing them have fun is, is good for me, too. And, you know, I, I had fun, too. The, the stuff that we did together was really fun. So I was kind of racking my brain and trying to think of all these things that we could do together that would be fun for the kids, but also enjoyable for me because it's a weekend off for me as well. So on, uh, we got there really late on uh, Friday night and we pretty much just like slept in our hotel room. And then on Saturday, we woke up late. Uh, we had a really good brunch and I took my kids to Top Golf in Las Vegas. Now I'm terrible at golf. I, I really am, I never play, um, but uh, it was right there. It was really near our hotel. So uh, we went to Topgolf and uh, both of my kids loved it. I, I loved it. It was super fun and I'm really glad that we went. And I think we'll probably go back uh, to a Topgolf somewhere here in LA or in the LA area. And um, we had a really good dinner at one of my favorite Thai restaurants in the world. Uh, it's my favorite Thai restaurant outside of Thailand. And on Sunday, uh, again, we you know woke up late and um, had a really good lunch. And uh, we went to this place called Luminarium. Luminarium is this awesome, um, I don't really know what to call it. it. It's kind of like a museum, but they have these like, uh, screens like all along the walls and they have speakers that are hidden in the walls um, with like these tiny little holes and um, uh, they have different like themes um, that you can attend they have like a space theme um, but the one that we went to was uh, like a safari theme and it felt like we were in the middle of like wild Africa in different parts of Africa like the mountains and the jungles and the desert and uh, we were surrounded by elephants and lions and uh, monkeys and all these different animals um, it was like super fun and uh, right next to that luminarium is this thing called uh, area 15 it's it's like a mall it's like a designed indoor mall um, we didn't spend that much time in it but my daughter as you can see she got to ride this really cool zip line that goes all around it's like a electric zip line that goes all around the mall. 
And then to top it all off, uh, I took my kids to uh, uh, ride go-karts. And uh, we went to this little place called um, uh, Mini Go-Kart, I think, in Vegas. And um, it's, it's way off the strip. It's like 10 miles north of the strip. And um, it's really great for kids my age. Um, you know, we bought them, I bought them like an hour pass where they could ride all the rides, uh, including the go-karts. But the go-kart was the only one that had a long line. And so while I was waiting in the line, the kids went around and rode all the other little rides, like the slides, like the spinny rides, the little roller coaster, the little teacup ride that they had. And they were going on that. And then as I was like near the front of the line, uh, they came back and um, uh, kind of pretty much cut everyone else to get to me. <laughs> and we got to ride the go-kart. Uh, we did this several times. We did this several times where I'm the only one waiting in line alone while they're off like riding other rides and <laughs> because they don't like waiting. Um, you know, I don't like waiting either, but the big difference between them and me, uh, <laughs> to be honest, is that I had a smartphone and I have stuff that could distract me. Um, that could that I could kill time you know I could uh, read news I could like catch up on my emails I could read texts I could watch, look at social media I could do all these different things while I'm waiting but my kids don't have uh, smartphones and so um, they hate waiting and how many of us really love to wait you know before we had smartphones waiting was horrible right waiting was like <laughs> torture I mean have you ever had to wait in the DMV without a smartphone? I mean, probably a lot of you who are uh, younger um, don't remember a time where you had to wait without a smartphone. It's excruciating. When you're waiting for a ride in Disneyland, you're waiting like hour and a half, two hours, and you're just, you have nothing. <laughs> it's, it's torture, right? Like waiting sucks. Waiting sucks. <coughs> and the reason why I'm talking about um, waiting is because, um, <coughs> well, excuse me, I'm, <coughs> I have a little, uh, I'm recovering from a cough that I picked up in Vegas. <coughs> the reason why I'm talking about waiting is because Lent is all about waiting. Lent is a season of waiting. Lent is a season of preparation and Lent is a season of waiting. And it feels like the past three years, gosh, three years, it feels like the past three years for me and probably for many of you, uh, probably for most of us in America and the world, it feels like we've been waiting for so long. This month marks almost three years exactly since um, the state of California went into uh, a lockdown, quarantine. On March 19th of 2020, California was the first state in the country to issue a stay-at-home order, mandating that all California residents uh, needed to remain home unless they were essential workers. Shortly thereafter, the rest of the country followed suit. And I don't need to remind you all of the following uh, of the you know of the following in 2020 
and all of the devastating impact that um, the lockdown had on the economy, particularly on like small businesses and all of the social injustices that were happening, uh, especially against um, people of color and the brewing tension in our nation's political divide leading up to the insurrection of Washington DC uh, two years ago on January 6, 2021. So for me, uh, 2020 was a crazy difficult year for our church, for our little church plant. It was the beginning of our second year and we had you know, built this momentum and when the lockdown hit, it just, it just crushed that momentum. It was killer. You know, it was really, really hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was extremely hard. And we had to make all of these dramatic shifts like many other, many other churches did. But the big difference is with our little church plant is that we're new. We're a new, small church. And so um, the impact that 2020 made on our church was huge. And then 2021 came, and I thought it was going to get better, but... Um, a lot of the uh, racially charged violence um, continued to happen. There were many job losses. There was a lot of financial stress on my own family. And many of our community members um, like stopped coming to church because of personal reasons or because a lot of them literally like moved away. They moved to different cities, to different states. And so 2021 was even harder uh, for many of us. And finally, 2022 came, and I thought it was finally going to get easier. But for me, 2022 was the most difficult year of my adult life. And what, the main reason why it was the most difficult year of my adult life, and I don't think I ever explicitly said in a sermon, uh, but many people in our community, everyone in our community knows that it's because my marriage had ended. Um, the woman that I was with for almost 20 years uh, is now my ex-wife and so last year was so difficult um, I just didn't even want to go through it I just didn't even want to go through it I didn't want to go through the grief I didn't want to uh, grow from this experience you know I, I didn't even want to heal many ways it's kind of hard to explain but like I knew that in order to heal I needed to go through the grieving process, which is painful and hard. Um, but because of the work that I was doing as a pastor, because of the work that I'm doing um, here as a chaplain in the hospital, I couldn't ignore my grief. I couldn't ignore my grief. I, I was forced almost, I was forced to reflect, process, write, and talk about my grief. The only way really I could like avoid this was by completely changing my career and living in a different state, literally, right? That's the only way that I could probably uh, avoid grief. Now, uh, when I talk about uh, grief, I'm really talking about the five stages of grief that most therapists and psychologists most commonly refer to that are uh, named and framed by psychiatrist Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in 1969. Those five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. 
contrary to what many people believe, uh, the five stages of grief are not linear. Um, and they're not one and done. And not everyone goes through all five stages. And as much as I wanted to rush through my grief, like press fast forward and just kind of like breeze through it, there really was no way around it. The only way I could get through it was to actually just go through it and experience it and feel everything I needed to feel and go through every stage of grief. Um, but I did notice something interesting. Uh, I was in the anger stage of grief for a long time, uh, for many months. Um, now, maybe for some of us, um, many months doesn't sound like that long. Um, there are people who are angry for years. Um, they, they might not even know it. You know, they might not even know that they're in the anger stage of grief. But for me, I, I, it felt like a long time, those many, many months, because I, I really knew that I was in that stage. And when you're aware <laughs> that you're in that stage of uh, anger, uh, everything just kind of becomes uh, heightened and um, uh, exaggerated. Um, I, just, I just deeply felt everything. And while I was in that uh, stage of anger, um, my heart felt hard. Uh, if that makes sense my heart felt hardened like stone and I just had this um, really stern look on my face like mm, I just kind of had that those eyebrows and um, I was, my, my jaw was always clenched and my body was uh, tense most of the time and my anger would just like leak out in unhealthy ways I would uh, blow up at my kids for something relatively small that they did. I was judging people all the time. Um, I was uh, just really in a dark place. And then eventually, um, over time, when I got past this anger stage, now, now, now don't get me wrong, you know, I, I still get angry from time to time. Um, but in general, I'm not in that anger stage anymore, and I'm so grateful for that. I uh, noticed um, after I got through that, um, my heart s started to soften. I began to empathize with others better. Um, even when I'm visiting patients here at the hospital, I would judge. I mean, not sorry, I would not judge. I would I would cry uh, a lot more quickly. And a lot of this happened because I was waiting. While I was grieving, I was waiting. And as I was waiting, God was changing me. He was changing my heart. He was renewing my spirit, and He was giving me a fresh perspective. For those of us who identify as Christian, we are now in the season of Lent, which is really a season of intentional waiting not just waiting. I mean, we all wait, right? Whether we like it or not, every human being waits on something or someone or waiting for a season to get through or waiting for a job or waiting for a partner or waiting for something or someone or we're all waiting all the time. But Lent is a season of intentional waiting. 
It's the 40 days prior to Easter, which is when we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's a period of intentional waiting. So here's the intentional, or here's the central truth for today. Here's the central truth for today. Intentional waiting brings us closer to God. Intentional waiting brings us closer to God. I'm going to read for us from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. The passage for today is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we are in the season of Lent. Um, and let me just give you a little background um, of Lent. The word Lent is actually not a biblical word. Um, it actually comes from the Dutch and German word meaning beginning of spring. It might seem a bit random, but it is appropriate because Easter actually represents the beginning of spring and it lands around the same time with this idea of newness and rebirth. Lent begins 40 days before Easter on Ash Wednesday and that does not include Sundays. And the reason why uh, we do 40 days is because the number 40 appears repeatedly uh, in the Bible. Uh, there's always this kind of significant meaning or theme with number 40. Uh, in the book of Genesis, uh, with the story of Noah and the great flood, it rained for 40 days. Uh, the Israelites uh, wandered um, in the desert for 40 years before they reached the promised land in the book of Exodus. And most significantly to today's message, um, Jesus fasted for 40 days before he began his ministry in the wilderness. So as a sign of remembrance, waiting, and anticipation, many Christians fast for 40 days prior to Easter, which brings us to the book of Isaiah. Uh, we just read from this Old Testament book of Isaiah. It is named after the prophet Isaiah, uh, which is a collection of prophecies and wisdom writings from one of the most famous Jewish prophets, Isaiah. And one of the recurring themes in this book is Isaiah warning his people of their continual disobedience. The Old Testament is about God's relationship with humankind. But God used the Israelites as a primary example. 
Okay, God didn't only care about the Israelites, God cared about all peoples, but he used the Israelites as a primary example. He wanted the Israelites to be a holy nation, a people set apart so that they could be light in a dark world. God blessed the Israelites so that they could be a blessing to others. And this has been the expectation of the Israelites from the very beginning, uh, starting with the Israelites' great, 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 great grandfather, Abraham. He said to Abraham, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. This is a statement that God said repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, uh, particularly in the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Ultimately, they uh, failed at this task multiple times, uh, which is uh, why we have this book in Isaiah with this constant theme of um, God warning the Israelites of their continual disobedience. And Isaiah is a very interesting book because it is kind of like a microcosm of the entire Bible. Um, Isaiah has 66 chapters. Um, the Bible has 66 books. And it is divided up into two major parts, uh, chapters um, 1 through 39 and chapters 40 through 66. Coincidentally, that's very similar to the way that the Bible is divided up in by books. Now, the first um, half of the book of Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, the primary theme in the book of Isaiah is God as judge or judgment. Uh, interestingly, God would even use uh, nations like Assyria and Babylon to carry out his judgment on the Israelites. This is very odd because God is using these pagan, um, non-believing nations to judge his own people, to carry out judgment on his own people, which is odd, right? And then in chapters 40 through 66, the primary theme is God as Savior, which is salvation. The Israelites screwed up so many times, and so God comes to clean up this mess. And that's really interesting because when a lot of Christians think of the Old Testament and New Testament, they think of the Old Testament as like a very judgmental book, like God is uh, very judging in the Old Testament. And then when they think of the New Testament, they think of God as like being kind and merciful, uh, God as Savior. So you see these uh, uh, kind of comparisons between uh, Isaiah and the entire Bible. Okay, and that's why I say Isaiah is kind of like a microcosm of the entire Bible. And today we read from Isaiah chapter 40, which is the first chapter of the second half of the book of Isaiah. So it's kind of like the hinge of the like on the door okay it's that that divides the the two sections of the book of isaiah which is um the second half focuses on god as savior and when we look at our fallen and broken world we can't rely i'm, I'm realizing more and more like the world needs god we can't rely on ourselves. We can't rely on other people. We can't even rely on our own government. What we really need is God to help us, to save us, 
And I'm not talking about after we die in heaven. I'm talking about here and now on this earth. And it's kind of fitting that I'm uh, outdoors, right? That I'm, you know, uh, surrounded by trees. It's, it's a reminder that we need God here on this earth, on this planet, in our lives today in order to save us. In the beginning of Isaiah chapter 40, which we did not read earlier, uh, Isaiah gave this prophecy of a, a coming Messiah, a Messiah who would come and save the world. Uh, in verse 3, uh, Isaiah said, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What the prophet Isaiah was referring to was the fact that Jesus will go into the wilderness for 40 days and fast and pray before he begins his ministry. So even before Jesus began his ministry, he intentionally waited for God to do what God needed to do. Remember, the central truth for today is intentionally waiting brings us closer to God. Intentional waiting brings us closer to God. So how does intentional waiting bring us closer to God? How does intentional waiting bring us closer to God? Well, first, uh, intentional waiting reveals the darkness in our hearts. Intentional waiting reveals the darkness in our hearts. In verse 27 of the passage we read today, we're um, kind of focusing on today, it says, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. When we wait with intention, we reflect, we write, we process, we pray. Um, those are some of the things that we should practice while we're waiting with intention. When we do that, God reveals the darkness, the sin, and shadows that lie within our hearts. We all wait, but very few of us wait with intention. I've been doing this thing recently um, called uh, Morning Pages. It was uh, uh, this practice that started with an artist. Uh, her name is Julia Cameron. And she teaches all of her students. Um, she's a really well-known uh, artist and uh, teacher, art teacher. And she has this best-selling book called The Artist Way. And in the book, she talks about uh, the importance of writing these morning pages um, every morning before she does any work or anything really and most of what uh, she writes in there it's it's not supposed to sound smart it's not supposed to sound poetic um, no one's gonna read this except for um, the writer and uh, it's really a place where you dump your thoughts it's um you just dump your thoughts your feelings um, onto these pages and you, you just write you just no planning you just mindlessly write okay and a lot of times um, when I'm writing this uh, most of it to be honest is kind of negative okay it'll, it'll start off like by saying like oh I don't want to do this I'm in such a bad mood today oh I had another fight with my ex oh I don't know why I'm so cranky it's like 
it's like that, right? And, and it's honest. It's honest. And it, that kind of reveals, like, as I'm, like, waiting and then as I'm processing, it reveals the, the darkness that's in our hearts. But when I process that, when I put that on paper, or when I talk about what's in, our, in my heart with my friends or my therapist or my uh, pastor colleagues or my chaplain colleagues, uh, I feel better. I, I, I feel lighter. I feel... Um, kind of healed I, I feel like I'm getting one step closer to God and I'm realizing that even when I'm in these seasons of darkness and even when I'm waiting and grieving it, it may feel like God is distant but he's he's right here God is right here And even though those morning pages are designed to be um, just read by me, okay, um, you know, God is omniscient, God knows all and sees all, and He reads those <laughs> pages as well. And I kind of treat that as, as prayers, and God receives those prayers, and He doesn't condemn me for those negative thoughts. In fact, He, he, he welcomes me as I am, and that's what's beautiful about faith is that God comes to us and meets us where we are so intentional waiting reveals the darkness in our hearts just like how as the Israelites were waiting and Jacob was calling them out he was pretty much naming the fact that they complain a lot they complain a lot and and they feel um, very insecure they say things like my way is hidden from the Lord God doesn't care about me, right? They, they complain a lot. Uh, even though a lot of their uh, pain and a lot of their suffering is a direct result of their own disobedience. And this leads us to the other thing that uh, intentional waiting um, brings us closer to God, the other truth. Intentional waiting reveals who God is. Intentional waiting reveals who God is. In verse 28, uh, the prophet Isaiah reminds his people, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Intentional waiting reveals the darkness in our hearts. Um, but if it just stays there, that's pretty dang depressing, right? Um, you don't want it to just stay there, right? Uh, you have to like move past that, right? Yeah, if you have to move beyond that. And the way we move towards spiritual healing, the way we move toward growth and maturity is by moving toward God. You don't want to just stay within yourself. Um, if you just stay within yourself, then you might not change all that much. Um, after you recognize and see the darkness uh, that's in our heart, that's in your heart, the sin, the shadows, whatever you want to call it, uh, we have to eventually move past it and move towards God. 
And when we intentionally wait, it, it's like a long-form meditation and you meditate on God. You meditate on God's character, God's qualities, God's essence, uh, who God is. You really meditate on who God is. And as we do so, we move one step closer to God. And that brings about spiritual healing and growth and change and maturity and transformation. And lastly, um, intentional waiting renews our strength. Intentional waiting renews our strength. Verses 29 through 31 says this, God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You notice that those who wait on the Lord are not doing nothing. Okay, that's something important that we have to keep in mind. Is that when we wait on the Lord, when we intentionally wait on the Lord, we're not doing nothing. Okay? They're, uh, they're flying. They're running. They're walking. They're moving forward. They're not passive. They're active. They're actively moving forward. So waiting on God doesn't mean being dormant and unproductive. It actually means like moving forward with purpose uh, while we're waiting on God. And that's kind of what life looks like most of the time. It's, it's doing both, right? It's moving forward, but it's also waiting. Right? It's, it's, it's being active, but also like receiving from God, whatever God is, wants to bless us with or whatever, wherever God is leading us next. And God is there. God is available to heal and comfort you, but we have to go to Him. We have to go to God. It, it kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, my, my, my new therapist uh, said this um, a couple days ago to me. Uh, she said, those who need therapy the most will never go to therapy. Uh, those who need therapy the most will never go to therapy. Uh, I've heard this before. I've said this before to others. It was just kind of like affirming that my new therapist uh, said that to me. Um, yeah, and I'm realizing like the work that we do to grow and to heal and to be renewed it's it's hard it's painful but that's exactly what jesus invites us into um lately i've been um learning and reading uh from buddhist writers and growing up uh, as a korean american christian um, Buddhism was always very much like antagonized uh, be by my parents and also like in the Korean church that I grew up in because Korea was uh, heavily Buddhist before Christian missionaries came in and pretty much made the whole country like uh, majority Christian and in order to 
uh, kind of staked their claim in the country. They kind of like antagonized and demonized Buddhism. Uh, that's kind of like the history that happened like post-Korean War. Um, but I'm realizing like in many ways, um, Buddhism is one of the most compatible religions with Christianity. And many Buddhists wouldn't even call Buddhism uh, a religion. They would call it uh, a way of life or philosophy. And one of the reasons why Buddhism is so compatible with Christianity is because they're not so God-centered. Uh, you know, they don't really talk about God all that much. Uh, they talk about like values and energy and, uh, and way of life and like respecting uh, the earth and and being mindful and being present. Um, it's 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 not so much like. Uh, following like a set of rules that's like indoctrinated by religious ins institutions it's 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 different and so i'm learning more and more uh from buddhism and one of uh, uh the writers that i've been learning from is this author his name is um hemin sunim he's a buddhist venerable and he teaches a lot about um the importance of sitting with and befriending your emotions uh and in this book that I'm reading from Hemin Sunim, he says this. Observe the changing energy both attentively and lovingly as it unfolds in the space of your mind. As you get better at it, you will realize that the negative emotion is not a fixed reality. It naturally emerges and retreats within the space of your awareness, regardless of your will. Once you awaken to this truth, you will not be swayed by negative emotions and, re and can regard them as a passing cloud instead of identifying with them as a defining part of yourself. Do not fight your negative emotions. Observe and befriend them. Do not fight your negative emotions. Observe and befriend them. As we intentionally wait, God reveals the darkness, the sin, the shadows that lie within our hearts. As we intentionally wait, it also reveals who God is. And as we intentionally wait, God renews our strength. In closing, I want to share this wonderful quote from a well-known, best-selling author and Christian leader, uh, Christine Kane. Sometimes when you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but actually you've been planted. So I leave us with this reflection question of the week. For what purpose is God inviting you into intentional waiting for what purpose is god inviting you into intentional waiting let us pray lord as we wait for you as we call on you as we grieve as we laugh as we go through whatever we need to go through we know that you are near sometimes it may feel like you're far 
but you are actually right beside us and your Holy Spirit dwells within us you are in us and around us gently guiding us closer to you and becoming more and more who you want us to be and in this season of Lent as we wait and anticipate Easter Sunday and remember what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means for us and our lives would you continue to transform us and renew us so that we can be who you desire us to be we pray all this in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen have a blessed week